Hey everybody, welcome to Spiritual Questions Answered. This is the time when we get to hang out with all of you and hear what's on your mind and do our best to think through what we know from Sweden Morgan from life and see what kind of discussion we can have around it. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Curtis Childs and I'll be hosting the thing and, and moving it along and I have an awesome panel here with me today. To my left, we have Chelsea Odner, writer, Sweden Morgan Life, as well as uh, communication, wait, uh, production manager. production manager. We just got a new community manager, so everything's swirling around camera. in my head. Hi, everybody. Yeah, there, there's Chelsea, and then you probably already saw that to her left is Cara Dom, who's a Latin everybody. consultant for NCE. So that's our whole panel. Psych, it's not really because we have from hundreds of miles away joining us Karin Childs, who is a writer for Swedenborgian Life. Hey, Karin. Hello from Michigan. All right, so uh, we are here, but. Without all of you, we couldn't do the show, obviously, so we thank you so much for coming. If you don't mind, since you're already here, would you like and subscribe? This is very useful to us to get our channel moving up and out into the world. And also, uh, write questions if you're in the chat right now. We need questions. We don't have them preloaded. We actually are asking you live what's on your mind. We haven't seen them before, as will be obvious when we start answering the questions. <laughs> so let's see what the first question is today. Inspiration Moment 101 asks, why, if we are a spirit that lives forever, did we come here? Why can't we just learn all our lessons in the spirit world? No offense to this life, but it's, <laughs> it at times can drag a little bit. Mm. Times can be crushing. So if there's this whole other, the real things happening out there, why are we here in the first place? I'd, I'd love to hear some, yeah. some answers on this. So, so what do you think, Chelsea? Um, well... Interestingly, so this question came up in the um, Watching and Reading Swedenborg Facebook group page that, um, Check it out that the Swedenborg Foundation moderates on Facebook. And that, mm -hmm. So I sort of relatively recently was thinking about it. And, um, and I just love the, the almost just like logical answer that Swedenborg gives, which is just that the physical world is this part of a whole, you know, of that, that is the Lord's will to create the universe and spirituality, you know, everything, yeah. existence, creation. And, um, and so in order for us to have, to be, become these unique, um, things that have a sense of self, right. um, and People. have, yeah, have, um, right. A personality that can live forever. We need to start in the physical world. Um, that that's where we get our, um, that's this, this essential part of the process of us developing that word that Swedenborg uses, our proprium. And, yeah. like, and then once we have that, then that creates this vessel for the Lord's love and wisdom that can then live for eternity and grow and develop and be a part of the big fun of it all. So an essential yeah. step. Yeah. yeah. Cara, do you have any thoughts? Well, the first, uh, the first thing that came to mind was this phrase that Swedenborg used, which is the power in ultimates, mm. mm -hmm. which means the power of the very outmost things. So our bodies and this level of creation is what holds the entire spiritual, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that without, without that, this level to hold it, uh, it's just incomplete. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's incomplete. <laughs> right, right. It's got sure. to come all the way down to something. Um, so that, and then, yeah, so from there, with this, with all these outmost things, 
we have what it takes to climb back up Mm -hmm. into the inner reality. But somehow that outmost is like it can't be done without it. Mm -hmm. And and we're we're even like the feet on a person or the basement on a house. We're necessary. Why can't we all just go up there? Because if we all went up there, we wouldn't have any feet and the whole person falls over. Mm -hmm. That's so cool to me that that it's not just that we're waiting to get to the real stuff. The real stuff couldn't be happening if we weren't here. Mm -hmm. We're like the bottom turtle in Yertles. Sorry, my, my <laughs> yeah. daughter's been listening to Yertle the Turtle. So. Uh, yeah, so, um, Karin, did you have some thoughts? Well, yeah, I think it's fascinating some things Swedenborg says about how, and, and Chelsea alluded to this, that we have to start out in the physical to, to forge a unique identity that we then keep to eternity. If we started in the spirit realm, we don't have this... Um, separating boundary that makes us a somebody that can relate to other somebodies. Um, So there's something about the physical, and I think of it like a shell around a seed that it's, you have to have that shell to get it started and the the shell falls away uh, or Mm. else the roots that go into the ground before the plant grow up. So there's, there's something that has to be um, forged in this level where there is this um, ability to have this, sort of dense separateness that we start out in. And then another fascinating thing that Swedenborg says is that there is something from the physical level that we actually keep when we cross Mm -hmm. into the spiritual realm that he calls the limbus. And it's this, this boundary somehow made out of the finest substances of the physical realm. And because we started out here and we kind of gained that as we were in our physical bodies and in physical life, um, we shed most of the physical, but there's this very fine, subtle something that we keep that somehow keeps us um, um, having this boundary of a unique identity, again, that we can use to interact with other people and with God and have a, a consciousness that we continue to develop. And so it's not... I, I don't see it so much as that we're here because we have to learn lessons, but which we do learn lessons, of course, but we're here to get started. This is like getting started. Like Curtis sometimes says, it's the womb um, before we are born in, into the spiritual life. And really important things happen in the womb. So um, it's that. And then also this is the free will zone where we really have this um, range of good and evil that we can um, experiment with and and make choices about in, in a way that um, is unique to the physical realm. Because we, um, the last thing I'll say about that is that uh, in the spiritual realm, there's very um, fast consequences for anything you do or even mm. think and feel. And in the physical realm, that's way slowed down. So we have a chance to you know, not get so totally clobbered by our negativity. We have a chance to just grad- take gradual steps to um, learn um in a in a pace (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we can handle if you see what i mean so those are some thoughts i've had yeah way way to bring the limbus into it Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a a swedenborgian's favorite term (laughs) and the the physical world it's true that it is as i said obnoxious to live through at times but it's very good at some things Mm -hmm. that this that the spiritual world is not even that good at that if if i've slightly amended that question to say why don't we all just pop in the spiritual world right now, we'd be so much happier. Um, how would you feel if 
everything you thought was out loud and every like sort of impulse you had, you acted on, mm-hmm. <laughs> that you had no inhibitions. That's the condition yeah. really in the spiritual world. And I'm thinking, no, this is better because here you can, as Karen was saying, there's a delay where you can be having all kinds of thoughts that you can catch yourself on and say, mm-hmm. I don't want to think like that. You can have impulses that you resist. This is the place in which we can train mm-hmm. our, like ourselves No, sit stay mm-hmm. and you have this 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 uh, time period there to do that so that and then also i think about correspondences i was recently mm-hmm. having to explain sort of the language of the spiritual world which is these correspondences and we're doing this upcoming show about the correspondences of a house and mm-hmm. how their windows mean something but there's something that the physical world does to teach you what a window is in the first place, that the spiritual world has these things it uses to convey deeper meanings. But unless we had the basic knowledge of why a door is like it is, that I feel like that's laying the mental groundwork for us mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people die as kids and don't get all that, but I think back to the, the feet analogy, there needs to be a number of us doing this here mm-hmm. in order to have the right mindset to support something as well. So. I like, I'm with you. Hey, can't we just get past this? But I think, yeah, that there, there's some cool stuff about it too, or at least some necessary stuff. Like, like that womb analogy Karin gave that when, when you, nobody's saying like, why does it have to start in the womb? Can it just, yeah. because obviously, oh, you need an environment that has constant temperature and is supplied with nutrients and is protected from, you know, when you see the whole progression of the process, it's obvious why each stage mm-hmm. is important. So if we could see it as somehow have a perspective on this life and the next life, we would probably be a little more like, okay, fine. Yeah. We'll go through this life. Right. <laughs> no offense, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts on, on that question? Okay, great. That was great. All right, we're one for one. I mean, that, that felt pretty good. Okay, let's see. What's, what's the next question? Great question, thank you. Mike S. asks, can evil spirits directly affect the body? Swedenborg has this fascinating description of the intimacy of the connection we have with the spiritual world, both that good and evil spirits are present with us all the time, but also that, that they can affect thoughts and feelings. But oh, Swedenborg also talks a lot about different body parts and systems being receptive to spirits. And when it comes down to it, can spirits mess with us health-wise? So uh, does anybody have any... Uh, thoughts and feelings about that, Cara. No, I saw no, you. Okay, I saw okay. you breathing about it. So. I'm breathing. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I'm just recalling that Swedenborg talks about his own experience of um, feeling the spirits attack his kidney or yeah. his spleen or something like that. Um, I certainly think about it when I'm having pain in different parts of yeah. my body and just wondering, like, okay, if my body is a correspondence to the to the order of the spiritual world, but I don't. I don't really have a clear feeling about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. good, because me neither. Okay. <laughs> in Swedenborg, when he has a, he'll say he can, can feel these very sharp sensations in his body, or very clear sensations, I should say, but he also often adds the caveat that only somebody whose interiors are open can sense them this sensibly. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I think even in our show, the How Spirits Are Connected to Our Health, I think that was the title That's of right. it. That's right. I remember getting clear in that show because it was just like so plain when you like take in all of you know, what Swedenborg says about those evil spirits causing different organs to feel different ways or whatever, um, that he's clear that there's some boundary, like there's an influence, but it's not direct. Yeah. Like there's there's this protection about how they're not allowed to just come in and do things directly in your physical body, but they, but there's some, so there's some barrier, but that allows for the influence that, so he's aware of like, oh yeah, that's impacting this area, but somehow it doesn't quite qualify as the like, directly affecting the body 
as this person is asking about. Um, yeah. And the only, like, yeah, go ahead. Well, mm -hmm. I, I just have another thought about we're not able or allowed to make spiritual judgments in this world. So you, we get, like, we can't say, oh, well, you have kidney cancer, and therefore that means, you know, right. with the spirits yeah. associated with the kidneys got a hold of you and yeah. you're weak in that area or something like that. Right. Like, we That's don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we it would just not work if it were something so clear like that, like a connection. Like yes, that. yeah, I yeah. Know. And I, it just reminds me of the subject of possession that mm -hmm. Swedenborg talks about how that before, Maybe Karin can give a little bit more about this. I don't sure. know, but just that, because I feel a little bit like it's not my strongest grasp of a theological concept, but he describes that there was, before the Lord came into the world, so before this, like, um, the the divine human having this anchor point in our earthly world, um, there was somehow this ability for evils to, pos I mean, evil spirits to possess people physically, but that since that sort of rearrangement of spiritual world things has happened, it's, which wasn't, that wasn't like ideal. That was like yeah. things being out of whack, seriously, mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. And so, but since the Lord's coming into the world, things have been reordered um, so that that is not, not allowed and is incapable of happening anymore yeah. or something, I think is what Swedenborg describes, but maybe Karin can clean yeah, up that well, more. <laughs> yeah, well, I do want to hear what Karin has to say. Yeah. And I also want to say, though, that the reality has to be complicated because if we're saying can can it be if it's cold outside does that make you get a cold well the answer is complicated to that yeah. because well actually no but when it's cold outside you do spend more time indoors which has this kind of air dryer air condition which makes you susceptible the right. real answer to stuff is complicated so the, this true. answer must be complicated and we're just piecing together the yeah, the bits that definitely. we have so yeah. yeah karen do you have any any further thoughts um, to follow up on Chelsea Stern to talk about possession, yeah, what I understand is before Jesus came on earth, it had gotten to the point where evil spirits could actually, against someone's will, uh -huh. take over their body. And the thing that has changed is evil spirits cannot do that against someone's will anymore. They can if, if a person over a long period of time invites evil spirits in by indulging in the what evil spirits love to do, they can get something called internal possession, but that was internal possession. through their own choice. That means they end up just acting from these evil spirits, but they chose to go along with that. And um, so, yeah, evil spirits can't take over our bodies anymore. But yeah, as you're saying, there's, there's definitely like everything that happens to our bodies is affected by spirits um, so, and affected by physical things too, like, mm -hmm. like you're talking about. So when things like illness, um, Swedenborg says that is because influences from hell, that's where illness comes from. And we just are all in a general vulnerability about that. So there, they are definitely involved. Um, but it's not a, you know, a, a one-to-one -one about our, our spiritual state you, you certainly can tell that you can be vulnerable when you're emotional or stressed or something you can be more vulnerable to um, getting sick or something so our mind is involved um yeah. but it's it's complex and there's a lot of a lot of factors and there was one more thing i was going to say what was it <laughs> um oh yeah that that um swedenborg would definitely 
talk a lot about evil spirits affecting his body. And I remember one story where he, his body was shaking, like the evil spirits were shaking it. Uh, he, he said, if I didn't know better, I would might have thought I was possessed because my body was being shaken. Right. But he really wasn't. They just were able at that time to just shake his body. But but the real him was just above that. And he was being protected and and uh, the incident passed. And so it's just this interesting it's it is very complex. And yes, and and no. Um, definitely they have an influence, um, but can't control our bodies. Nice. Don't we yeah. have a, an excellent clip of Dr. Jonathan Rose acting out that? Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, that very right. yeah. part. Yeah. That, uh, something similar about. to it, yeah. yeah. I do think, like, the upshot is, like, they're a part of the equation. They're a part of the equation that people haven't necessarily, like, haven't considered maybe in yeah. a long time or whatever. But just, like, so whether we can say directly or not, it's, like, but... Yeah, can we, can we pop that question back on the screen? I want to make sure I know what it says. Um, <laughs> oh, he's probably already moved on to the next one. Okay, directly affect the body. Yeah. A frustratingly opaque, it's not, not, no, not, he's not being opaque, but it's hard for me to know exactly what I want to know from it, is that he'll say, evil spirits don't cause a disease, but right. when disease happens, evil spirits that correspond will come in Are and- Are like connected with that. Connect it and mm -hmm. keep it going or something, but you still get cured by natural means. But is there, but if those evil spirits were gone, what can we do a double blind test here where you have like, <laughs> take care of the evil spirits, does it does it heal more quickly? So there's uh, so much well, to yeah, potentially be known. Yeah, the whole placebo, yeah. you know, or mind over matter or anything yes. like that is yeah, and, fascinating. And uh, Swedenborg, I think it somewhere wrote about his eyesight improving a little bit when his mm. spiritual revelations happened, that there were ah. some, phys no, I hope I'm telling the truth about that, there were some physical perks that he got alongside this, and that I've heard that that can sometimes be a symptom of spiritual experiences. So how much mm. of what we go through all the time as we struggle through our health in this life could be alleviated if, if spiritual conditions were we're in play. The answer yeah. is I don't know, but great question. <laughs> Good question. Okay, yeah. let's uh, let's do another one. Why not? We're on a roll. Daffodil asks, will we obtain skills, abilities, or talents in the afterlife that we don't possess here? For Aww. example, I love singing, but I'm not that great. Yes, you are, Daffodil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sing, sing a few bars for me. This is an important question because it does seem yeah. like there are some categories that you can just be shut out of. Uh, singing would be a great example, and there are plenty of people who love singing but can't. Yeah, um, right. And and is that something that you're just forever? I'm not artistic, or but but then again, what makes us us? So do you think that there's some some uh, abilities that we can get? I, I'll start this one off because right. one that Swedenborg says. Well, so in some ways, part of what I do for my job is talk about stuff. And Swedenborg says everybody can talk well about stuff in the afterlife, right? So that will no longer be a useful skill to me. He talks about, he talks about spirits uh, immediately coming into a much higher ability mm. to express ideas and, and speak well about them. And you think about in the world, they say, there's that old clever saying that the number one fear of people is public, public speaking, speaking and then it's death. Right, that, right below right, that. Right. So it seems like he's saying that that speaking on thing, at least, at least, I don't know about public, but I think that becomes you. You get that as part of your citizenship. Yeah. So there's one thing. So yeah. it could well be 
other things as well, right? I, I do think singing, um, I recently was shared or had shared with me a collection of passages about what Swedenborg says about singing and how it, how it's this like, you know, expression of joy and, um, praise and how that happens in the spiritual world. And it happens collectively within communities and societies. And I think about like our whole very, maybe sort of materialistic idea of singing is a little bit, you know, limited in its Mm. scope. Um, I mean, like you can, what does it take to really enjoy a song? Like I love singing with my kids. I am not caring, you know, about what my voice sounds like, what their voices sound like, like the joy of singing is this like community. And, you know, so that sort of, I don't think, I don't think that sense of self-consciousness is going to be there. I think what any, so in a way, yes, you're going to be able to sing because, because what's going to be coming out is a representation of the joy or the feeling that you're wanting to express. And that's going to be beautiful, you know, like no matter what. So, you know, so our sort of by our materialistic, you know, just our standards in this world of like, well, what does it mean to have a beautiful voice or something? It's like, no, it's about the expression. Mm -hmm. This body is just this means to share that. So, so I think, I think you're going to definitely get that one, Daffodil. <laughs> yeah, Daffodil. Uh, and also, uh, he does talk about how everybody belongs to a heavenly choir. Like, mm-hmm. like <laughs> so you'll be singing with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows how loud, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. And I like to think of it, okay, so if we have eternity, um, mm. I, I don't have a big bucket list for this life, but I have a huge bucket list for the next life because I'm going to have time. You know, I'm going to have time. So I'm going to be a cello player and a carpenter and a ballroom dancer. And and I, I mean, Swedenborg talks about the other life being a world of loves, Mm -hmm. you know, expressing Mm -hmm. our loves. So I don't know at what depth those loves, you know, need to qualify in order to come into our lives or something. But... I imagine that there's going to be lots of time and spa- space and I, for I just, us to do yeah. that kind of stuff that brings us joy. And I have to think that, like, if it's about usefulness, and Swedenborg talks about just eternal learning, you know, like, that's part of the joy is just continuing to learn and then using what you now know because you can do more things because now you learned, you learned something about carpentry and so now you're building people's <laughs> stuff. And, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that's got to be part of the deal. Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Karen? I, I know that there are descriptions of choirs that singing in harmony with others is this interesting way that sometimes people are um, brought together. I mean, obviously that happens in this world too, but it seems almost this, um, uh, almost a scientific sort of method of, of helping people to um, get integrated with each other is, is that they sing in, in choirs. And so that's something that I think is available to everybody, <laughs> um, unless you really don't want to, don't have to, but um, it sounds like, yeah, absolutely everybody will be able to have that come through them. And also in the afterlife, um, it's very easy, you know, in this life we have to sort of in our own little physical body, we have to kind of get it to do something. And, and if it wasn't, very prone to that skill to begin with, it's harder, but um, we don't have that kind of physical limitation in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And when you are in community with others, you share knowledge um, with, with others, you know, so something that somebody else knew a lot about, you can actually, they can actually share that with you. 
And um, I, I imagine it could be the same way with skills that you could be in community with people who are skilled at something and you could um, <laughs> gain some of that skill by your um, being with them. And so I think that probably that is, is how it works too. And there's no doubt in my mind that in the afterlife where there's a desire, there's a way. <laughs> if, if you desire something, um, it, it will happen. You know, you, you will be guided to that skill or the, you know, that knowledge or whatever it is that your heart is desiring. That's, that's just how we acquire skills and knowledge and everything in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so I had a further thought about what I was saying in the beginning, which is that everyone can speak well in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. And the reason that you can is because here you're, everyone can think well and here we have to take our thoughts and th and try to transfer them into words and mm. which word is the right one to express what I'm saying right mm -hmm. now. But everybody can speak really well in the afterlife because there's not that second. Uh, their language is the direct expression of thought. So if we're saying that uh, song, and Swedenborg says singing is the is if, an embodiment of an affection, if everything corresponds in the afterlife, that means what, what we're like inside, we're like outside, the affections you have will be able to have an outlet in song because mm -hmm. that's just what the correspondence is. And I was thinking about, because right now, why can some people not sing and other people can? Just cuss. That's yeah. just like how yeah. their yeah. vocal cords are formed. It makes me think of, you know, why, do, why don't we all look super attractive? Just cuss. It's because of physical reasons. It's because of genetics and environmental conditions. And I was just, you know, reading this article about how your tongue position affects how handsome your or beautiful your face is. <laughs> it's just all this non-moral stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that, but in the afterlife, we look like we are inside. So similarly, we should sing, you know, that our, our love should sound like a good song, you know? Mm. So. And I, as a total, total tangent, but I'll share it, because what yeah. else could I share something? We got time. <laughs> um, is I, I've, I often wonder about the history of music in our world, and like, I'm hey, maybe I'll get a, a PhD in this in the afterlife, I don't know, because <laughs> it's not happening here, but other people have. Um, but I just think about, in, in the context of Swedenborg and, you know, Last Judgment, Second Coming, this like, new era that we're living in it's fascinating to see like you have ancient music or like the most original like instruments just sort of tribal singing or this or that and mm -hmm. like but it just seems like we've had this uh and and then you know there's classical there's various like from different cultures around the world different kinds of music that have been happening which is awesome but i just feel like we're in this era where there's been this like crazy proliferation of genres of music you know and it's just like and and i've heard interesting things about people saying that like music reflects the environment people are in you know so like these harsher sounds with city you know sort of yeah. stuff and like versus music that reflects certain parts of nature or this or that like it's just kind of cool how music reflects the environment you're in but i just find it fascinating that like is that happening here in this world because of our communities or is or are there all these different kinds of genres of music that in our world we're only just now having some sort of creative access to or something? Yeah. You know, or like how's that interplay between the spiritual world and this world and with like music? Yeah, like mm. different kinds of music. Techno pop was out there, but Socrates <laughs> couldn't understand what <laughs> yeah, that was. Exactly. Yeah. Socrates. <laughs> 
good. Cool. Exactly. Well, yeah, thank, thank you so much for that question, Davido. We appreciate you uh, putting yourself out there like that. Um, hey, so what I think we're going to do now is going to go to a guest story. So we, we like to, you know, we, we're hearing some from the audience here by seeing some quotes, but we wanted to ha- sit down and have longer conversations with people. Just we're trying to get how does... How do Swedenborg's concepts move people's minds? And we mm-hmm. want to hear in their their own language what's important to them about it and what's the meaning. So today we have a little interview that I did with Kent Rogers. And Kent's a cool guy. He's got a BA in religion and MS in mental health counseling. He, for a while, set up and ran Loving Arms Mission, which was an orphanage in Nepal. And he worked as a psychotherapist and a professor. And uh, he's currently a theological student at a Swedenborgian church called the Lord's New Church. He's an author of two books that the Swedenborg Foundation has published, Seven Days of Spiritual Evolution and Twelve Miracles of Spiritual Growth. And I sat down with him and I said, hey man, you're all into this Swedenborg thing. What do you like about the message in Swedenborg's writings? What does it do for you? And so this is what he had to say. What I really love about them is the ideas is that they heal. Um, I have, you know, I am a seeker. I searched all over the place, and the ideas that I get out of the Third Testament are the most comprehensive um, theory of everything, as you say, uh, Curtis. Um, that when you put it all together, you're lifted up out of problems, and they heal. And um, you know, the trees, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations and the leaves catch light just like our mind catches the light of this truth and it heals us so um and that's why i'm drawn because i i want to share what will heal people i love i love you saying that when you put things together they lift you out of problems and do you you feel like uh it's done that for you have you seen problems that you're grappling with you know, you, you get above them through the, the idea? Absolutely. Uh, without a doubt. Uh, I used to be anxious. I don't feel anxiety much at all anymore because I know this sh- this is a good show. You know, God is good. He's governing this. Uh, when you really know that, the, you know, the Lord is governing all people, uh, all things towards good, there's not much to get angry about. Not that I don't get angry, but, you know, it helps with that. Um, basically, uh, any mental problem or anguish or, you know, it helps you work on eradicating living from this small perspective of the self. The self is a paranoid, angry mess. So these truths lift you up out of that so you... You're, you have the eagle's eye view, and then you see that love is is real, and that it's joyful, and you can start living from that as if it was your own. Um, so that's a great great thing about these beautiful teachings. They remind me of the movie, the the first of the three Matrix movies, um, which. I loved because it had such a, a spiritual meaning within it, which is that when you start to see the truth, you can extract yourself from that really false view of reality, and then you become impervious. You know, like Neo was shot, but he survived because he knew it was illusion. And I feel like that's what these truths can do. You can 
you know, go through hardships. You could have someone tell you you're horrible or whatever, but you know a higher level that allows you to continue to love. I mean, it's hard. I'm not saying it's always going to work, but to the extent that you have these truths in you uh, and they're animated by the Lord's love, it doesn't matter what happens on earth. You, you remain animated by love, and that is uh, a happy place to be. Another thing I really like about the Third Testament is the way it describes the immediate presence of God, of the Lord, of eternal divine love, that it is immediately here always. And so that in one sense, you know, there's no separation. The only separation that we have from the Lord is the uh, limitations of our perception, which are caused by being born in space and time. And so, you know, I've heard people say, well, why do we have to be born in space and time? Why can't we just be born as angels um, and skip this part of suffering? Um, but it's actually a joy because if that, if we weren't bound by space and time, we wouldn't have individuation, and we need it to have love with one another. Uh, so it is a blessing. It's a painful blessing. Um, so um, I just love knowing that the Lord, and I say the Lord because God is human, you know. So I'll say the Lord is immediately present with us, um, just helping us, adoring us guiding us, and though we can't feel that, just to know that that's true. Uh, it's wonderful. And heaven, too. And all, you know, the angels are just loving us to death, you know? <laughs> and that that's exciting. That's beautiful. And I had totally forgotten, but he got the first question yeah, that we were asked today. He answered well, it really well. <laughs> why are we sticking here? Man, I, I should have just remembered that, copied his, and then everyone would have thought he got his off of mine. So there's there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have heard him refer to the Third Testament. This is in the in the line of Swedenborgism he's studying in. That's what they call Swedenborg's writings. Um, what what stood out to, to you guys about that, or, or anything you, you liked or took away from that? Well, just jumping in on the very that last point he made about the um, his answer to the space time question yeah. was that joy, and I just love that. I feel like we can get so bogged down by um, the pain of it, as he says, and like and um, the hardships that are involved in life. But I just you know, there's I think the purpose is for joy, and so there is some way that we can connect connect into that beauty and into the blessings that are that are just in life. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I was moved by his point about if we have these true ideas in our mind, they can be animated by divine love. And, and that animation will just be in us if there's the truth for it to sit in. You know, that's, that's yeah. pretty mm -hmm. powerful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Karin, anything that you'd like to expand on a little bit? I loved how he talks about that these ideals can heal because I feel like a higher perspective, Swedenborg's writings offer a, this higher perspective, and that can be so healing because it, the suffering comes when we're trapped in the limitation of only seeing that, that mm -hmm. little um, problem that's happening. And if you have this 
higher perspective about how temporary this earthly life is and how there's this huge story going on that is going to continue after we die and that's that's going on through our ups and downs that really is healing because i call upon that a lot when something rough is going on just to remember that this this will be over and during it something good is happening god is strengthening something and i love how kent was saying that you can always find a way to be animated by love, no matter what's happening. And someone was just recently pointing out when Jonathan said on the in the show of the spiritual battles of Jesus Christ, that that was what Jesus was doing through every trial that he went through. He was letting his heart grow stronger. So you can always find a way to bring love into it one way or another. Hmm. And yeah, just that perspective thing is what stood out to me. Awesome. That's great. I, um, <clears throat> I, I like the Neo comparison uh, to the to the Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, that long time ago, I was doing a silly music project with my friends, and I was writing a song about some of the progress I was making through Swedenborg. But it was all nobody would know that's what it's about. But one line I had in there was everything's so clear. I'm Neo, but without the pills. And I because I felt like, and at times I, I, it's not like I stay there, but I do get these little bursts of. Everything that used to get me down, I can just dodge now. Mm-hmm. Like just through these concepts. I was thinking back just recently on a time, I think I was in high school and I was driving uh, back to school or something and, and I had this moment of just feeling like free and happy. And just like I wasn't worried about stuff and I didn't do it. And I did, I, it came and it was very distinct and then it was gone because I was back into my anxieties and worries and I was thinking, why isn't, why isn't it always like that? Mm-hmm. Why am I caught up in these things all the time? And every once in a while, when you get hooked into this, you know, um, you don't got a divine providence is everything. Don't look for credit in things. Um, at spirits and angels, things that come into your head. For a minute, it just feels like you're sitting there just dodging bullets and dodging bullets. <laughs> no, and everything that, like that. You, you used to just sit there and get hit by everything, but just like you're watching them go by with those little ripples now. And then and then you lose it, but getting in there, uh, uh, it's exciting. It's like, just like Neo was building up his skills. I'm sure you're all familiar with The Matrix. Yes. It's okay, like 20 I mean, years old, like as of this year. It, it even made the news again, like because it's its 20th anniversary. I, I remember now. I was in middle school when it came out. Something and it was like, like whoa man this is so cool but it's exciting he's building up his skills and he gets faster and better and it's definitely not that straight line progression but i think as we go we you reach these higher peaks of like oh my gosh the potential in this stuff to free us from the stuff that bogged us down is exciting so thanks very much kent for that all right so let's uh let's get back to seeing what people are thinking about in the chat what's our next question latitudes and margaritas (laughs) asks what are your thoughts on people who live monastic lives Specifically, the ones that hermit away in monasteries. What would God's purpose? What would be God's purpose in this kind of a life? I know there's some direct commentary yeah. from Swedenborg on that, but I think we can also expand and, and think about it a little harder. So, um, hey, Karin, I, I haven't had you go first yet. I'm not trying to be rude. So, would you like to offer a few thoughts first? First, first thoughts are just uh, it just depends on what the person is doing with that solitary life. Um, Swedenborg did learn that we we do all need to be somehow contributing to the whole. And that can be done in many different ways. And so if a person was just trying to hide away from all of humanity, that might not go, you know, 
be such a good thing. But a person can be um, withdrawing in order to really try to send, you know, positive thoughts to others in a very loving way uh, through prayer, um, can really be trying to meditate and um, draw in some um, higher thoughts that there would be some way to share. So it, I feel like just like with everything, it, it depends on what the person is doing with it. There can be every kind of lifestyle possible that can be used for to serve God and the neighbor in, in some way. And um, so, yeah, it could just be totally depending on how the person is, is using that. Right. Yeah, and I know in Swedenborg's day, there was a lot more of that being held up as an ideal in right. religion. as opposed to sort of a life in the world or something. Yes, and so Swedenborg, you'll find sort of rants he goes on about how that's not really how you engage with life, go off and live in a monastery. But I think the point he's trying to make behind that is that the, it's not that you need to purify yourself away from the world and that you're more spiritual when you're not caught up in the cares of the world, that actually performing this stuff we have to go through day to day, but with love and charity, is spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love Karn's point that it's not the action, it's the thought behind the action. I saw a, a talk that was given by a woman who had gone into a three-year silent meditation I mean, a retreat, where, uh, and she said that she was doing it to try to understand how to help the world better. So it's mm. it's all about what what are you going in there for? What are you trying to do? Motivation. Yeah. And I think even even people who are there, I loved Karen's point about like loving God and the neighbor because I feel like people who do choose to live that kind of a lifestyle are kind of holding the space for other people to come rest there or spend time there. You know, like you think of monasteries mm. as a retreat place where you can go and visit to be in that sphere for a time and come back sort of restored. But if there weren't people who just dedicated their lives to keeping these area, these rest, rest and restoration spaces well cared for, then you wouldn't have that sort of refuge um, being provided to society. So there really is such a use in that. Um, and I think there are those sorts of centers that people are do create in our world where it isn't a sort of to draw away from, well, it isn't to draw away from sort of life from other people in the way you were describing, but sort of to go create a space that is safe and healing for people so that you can be more useful to the world through that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. One of my dad's favorite Swedenborg quotes was that we're not born for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of other people. So um, I can imagine that on a, a monastic time would be forwarding that purpose for some people mm-hmm. and not for other people so yeah right yeah. Yeah, uh, you know yeah there's there's definitely appeal to me at times in the idea of shrinking my world to mm-hmm. the the confines of one little place whenever i see in some kind of show uh, a little island i think yeah. i want to just be on that little island and i don't have the option to go anywhere else and i that i have a fo- i have 25 trees, I got to get to know them all. There's not that many animals. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, do, I can't think about anything else. And that's it. And I'm just going to declutter my mind. And I'm going to. Mm-hmm. So there's certainly that the appeal of that right. is, <laughs> is there. But you do hear Swedenborg talking about that's not going to automatically punch your ticket to heaven because there was this attitude then that that's, that's a better life than mingling with the, the common people. And if I've done this, if I've deprived myself of joy right. and 
indulgences or something. Yeah. Yep. Don't I don't listen to music. I don't play eat, cards. Play cards. Right. And I just am over here that actually you take that <laughs> life with you. So you're you're same. If you're doing that from a desire to be then spiritually rewarded above other people, you bring that sort of resentment with you. You bring yeah. your gloominess with you. It doesn't you're not going to get on God's good side by just self-denial for self-denial's sake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, that's a couple of thoughts on that. Great question. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do another one. This is Bonnie Gates who asks, when we are around people we are close to, like family, can their evil spirits affect <laughs> us? Mm. <laughs> I'm sure some people would have very strong answers to that <laughs> about the, the mood that Thanksgiving can put you in. And everything like that. <laughs> yeah. But so, so this asks a big question about the nature of the interaction between spiritual and physical worlds. Because I have a spiritual connection to some evil spirits and... Just because we're sitting at a desk together, does that mean our spirits are mingling, or is it about what we're thinking about, or how does that whole thing work? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I was just, you know, the thought crossed my mind that like, well, the evil spirits are gonna try, yeah. you know, like right. if they if they have an in, you know, the whole spiritual signs or whatever of the way spirits are affecting you is if they have some sort of a tether to some, you know, inherited something or other that's in you that gives them this kind of little mouthpiece you know, that you can eventually sort of weed out or whatever, stop answering the phone or whatever. Um, That if they, they're, they're going to be on high alert for anybody else that they can be, you know, getting, get their hooks into. So Mm -hmm. maybe with family, there's a higher likely, you know, so it's not sort of, I mean, whether they can or can't, evil spirits are interested in trying. (laughs) (laughs) And fascinating that, we talk about you're talking about heredity. Swedenborg uh, calls you know sort of our spiritual tendencies that we mm-hmm. are born with, specifically the negative ones, as being heredity. But he says that that comes through your ancestry. So do people that are related to you physically, they have similar heredity? Yeah. Would that make it so that it's easier for somehow a spirit to kind of jump ship from you to right. them? Right. Or you have similar spiritual communities that might already find ways to interact with right. each other? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And some people have. Uh, just increased sensitivity to kind of the the sphere the atmosphere in a room or around other people and I don't know if that makes you more susceptible to to the spiritual influences or if you can just kind of feel it you know what I mean right are they affecting <laughs> like they, you or are you just sensing yeah it, yeah yeah, I, yeah and I yeah. don't know the answer it's yeah. just it does some it, people seem to be able to have some kind of read on that but whether it's getting into their own right. system. I don't know. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of the show on auras that we did oh, many yeah. years ago that I remember it was an early one where I just was very, it was one of those times where really feeling like just being in the work of working on these shows and doing the research for it just was like changing. The, having that sort of an immersive time in Swedenborg's ideas. So I just remember that aura show being one of the things that really impacted me and part of it was that idea of like yeah you you have an aura and it will affect other people just like you were describing of like if somebody is in a really grumpy mood they're gonna um you know uh you you could sense that but it was making me think of um like in in my marriage I definitely know that like it's I don't know if it's each other's evil spirits affecting us or if it's just that 
the evil spirits are having a fun time fighting with each other. Yeah. <laughs> but like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if we're both susceptible to that or in a particularly vulnerable state or something, like there's going to be this like ratchet, you know, interest in ratcheting it up if yeah. the evil spirits can manage to, you know. So like, there's definitely a ball game going on on the evil spirit side of trying to affect you if they can. Yeah, I was thinking about auras when we started talking about this because Swedenborg does describe a spiritual aura that goes out from everyone but says there's something similar that happens physically. Hmm. That is there, does he mean that there is a physical aura of some kind that corresponds to your spiritual aura? Because there's no question that some people you feel a change around them, that mm-hmm. they can suck the oxygen out of a room or brighten up a room. So there must be some way that the, the, the spirit is able to, not, or non-physical, is able to interact with, with physical. So, Cara, do you have uh, some, some thoughts on all that? Yeah, I, I, as Chelsea was indicating, definitely there's the, the whole aura of how wants to create discord wherever it can, and family is a great (laughs) arena to do that because there's just a lot more contact a lot more history a lot more baggage a lot of things that can get triggered and also yeah i do think we our our families have similar hereditary tendencies and and so those are gonna clash at times and sometimes i feel like i can be learning about my own stuff when I'm noticing it in a relative and Mm -hmm. and in a good way you know like oh whoa you know recognizing I do that too maybe in a slightly different way so there I think there's potential to be learning good stuff Mm -hmm. at the same time as um, having to watch out that hell's and you know these are relationships that were created to be loving you know marriages and siblings and parent um, children and so hell is going to be trying to especially attack that. Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff is going to come up. And and sometimes I can feel like I'm feeling a surge of irritation with somebody that I know I love. And, and sometimes it helps me to think about like, oh, there's spirits around me that are irritated with that person. It's not me. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the spirits. And I, it just helps me get a little distance to say, mm-hmm. okay, come on, that doesn't even matter. Um, or I can I can uh, let that go, um, and yeah. So I I think that it's it can be an arena that for a lot of good spiritual work, basically, yes. <laughs> if we can look at it that way. Like, okay, this is going to be especially attacked, um, but it on the other hand has um, great potential for gaining strength in in skills of loving people um, beyond you know beyond these irritations and and resisting the tendencies of the spirits. Yep. Yeah, for That's sure. That's great. Yep. I um, have two spiritual experience, journal spiritual experiences references that are just like beyond my ability to grasp. But one, well, the one that I do know, he says, is he describes spirits that were not very good around him, mentioning people that he knew, knew of and seeing his reaction his mental reaction to no. those names. Like they were coming through and trying to figure out what does this person mean to Swedenborg? Yeah. What does this person mean to Swedenborg? <laughs> so I would imagine that they are trying to figure out a way to push his buttons there. Yes, totally. And then um, the other one was, I think there's a reference to him actively describing spirits trying to ruin the relationship between uh, uh, two friends. 
So I don't don't quote me on that one, but I so that that could be a very interesting mm-hmm. segue into how how targeted is everything? How how much is there a specific assault on the specific things that are going well, on? Well, that that's one of those like reframing that Karen was mentioning that talk about like healing in Swedenborg's works where like knowing about it you gain this sort of freedom because to understand like talk about the burdens that people have with their families of origin or you know like strife in relationships but like to when you understand that like um you know Swedenborg says you only go through a trial if it's something that you love like evil spirits want to attack what you love Mm -hmm. and so the stronger the love the harder the attack and like and so just the fact when you understand that then then there's so much more reason to be protecting or working towards, you know, what Karin was saying of like the blessings that can be in those, um, in those relationships. So I feel like that, that's just another one of those like reframing it where if it weren't for that perspective that I get from Swedenborg, I might feel way more bogged down by just the way things are, yeah. you know, naturally then. So there are times when Swedenborg says that the primary effort of hell or one of the primary effort of hell is to break up marriages. Mm-hmm. So I guess you could be thinking of those are marriages in the spiritual world, but if they're here, in order for them to try to do that, they've got to be able to have some sense of who people are connected to. And that mm-hmm, sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, anyway, good to remember uh, when you're thinking about forgiving people for for how they are is that the <laughs> hell's working on them just like it's working on you. Right. That's the, that's the sort of the the spiritual expansion of my favorite term in the world, the fundamental attribution error. That it's not right. all just because you you know I wasn't myself then. Some of the other people aren't themselves as, mm-hmm. as well. Great question. I think let's get at least one more in here. We'll see if it's two. Pamela Collins asks, did Swedenborg say that after he died, Jesus went back to being God? Does that mean there is no person, Jesus Christ, in heaven? Okay, I'll let, let y'all answer this one. So here, here, now here we get into the some of the divine human dynamics yeah. and what how did jesus change god and what role does jesus play now and this is something that swedenborg is very passionate about so what do we think when um you have jesus right who obviously had some kind of separation from being god at some point because he was sort of relearning that he was god and going through temptations where he doubt it seemed like he was doubting that there was god is he all the way back up where where is he now and, and how do things stand um, well, one little bit of inspiration that comes on that very large topic, but um, is uh, the fact that when, so yes, Jesus is human, you know, or like God is human, the divine human, when we say that term, it means a person you can see in heaven. Um, and, uh, but so just immediately after the resurrection, when Jesus appears to his disciples, they don't recognize him, you know, yeah. so do, does they don't know right away that it's Jesus. They're looking at a person on the beach, cooking them some breakfast, and they're like, who's that? <gasps> it's Jesus, you yeah. know, and they go to him. So like mm. that, um, there's something profoundly that's been changed um, from the from the earthly, you know, I mean, the, the glorified human body that he had that, so, whether he looks exactly like he did on earth or there's just some sort of new um, look to him. You can tell that it's the Lord and it is a person, but it can look different. And I also, I guess it was in, was it the Heaven Project show or a different one where we talked about how the Lord um, appears to look differently to different people depending on their own um, personality. And so, uh, and yet just like, 
just like how are we going to recognize our loved ones in the afterlife you're going to know yeah. <laughs> that, it's, mm. that it's the lord mm-hmm. um and uh so um anyway that's my first thought awesome yeah <laughs> Cara? Uh, my first thought was just that swedenborg talks about how the real like the full name of god is the lord god jesus christ so yes. that implies to me that Jesus Christ is part of the package yes. in the spiritual world yeah. as well. Right. That's just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> the, the term that Swedenborg uses all over to describe God is the Lord, and he defines it very clearly in the beginning of Secrets of Heaven right. as, when I'm saying the Lord, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he describes the spirits of other planets worshiping God in the human form. And he says, when they do that, they're worshiping the Lord, which when he says the Lord means Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So there is, a, the person of God is Jesus, and that's all over the place. And he says, when you interact with God directly in heaven, there's always the old God's right in your heart and mind and really close. But sometimes you actually <laughs> do get the thing we actually all want, which is to see God <laughs> and talk to him and say like, will you apologize for a few yeah, things? What the heck? <laughs> Just kidding. I'll, I'll apologize to you. Um, that you see, you see Jesus Christ like a person. You see a person. So anyway, I ho- hopefully we haven't taken all the thoughts. But Karen, do you have anything else? All the thoughts. <laughs> we just exhausted. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do have thoughts, and much of them are things I don't really understand, but I want to. But I was just reading in the book True Christianity about how with Jesus being born on earth and then going through his process and becoming what Swedenborg calls glorified, um, God was taking on a new layer. And it's, this is hard for us to fathom because we are not really very aware of the fact that we have a, a vast inner self. And then this consciousness we're in, in on earth is just our little outer self and there's a whole lot more to us and then we realize and we will be expanding into that in the next life so god took on a lower self so to speak uh so that god could be more directly interacting with us because we on earth had gotten very far away from that essence of the divine and so um jesus christ is this this layer that we can that we can um, more directly um, have a relationship with than the divine essence. And the other thing that I that I really don't understand, but I thought was <laughs> was really fascinating because I was reading something about it in Spiritual Diary is the body. So Jesus had this physical body, and unlike when we shed our physical bodies, we leave them behind. But Jesus glorified his like he rose with his body and his body turned into something that was between physical and or that can be physical and spiritual and divine at the same time that's why he could appear and disappear and and things after his resurrection um but somehow that became here's the part i didn't understand um heaven used to be the body of god that we could that humans on earth could um interact with but it kind of got it it started to get sick or something because the, so many people were choosing evil it was it wasn't um adequate anymore and somehow the body of christ has become that 
-hmm. something that heaven used to play, some role that heaven used to play. And I'll just stop there because I realize I really don't understand it. But there's something really fascinating <laughs> there that um, that Jesus became. At the same time, Jesus can also be this very cosmic thing that is heaven that we go into that is in our hearts and everything. But also in a near-death experience, Howard Storm can meet Jesus Christ and have this incredibly loving interaction with him. So all of the above is Jesus Christ. And nice. I don't really understand it, but it's wonderful somehow. Yep. Well, it sounds to me like God picked up a limbus. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Yes. We're back to the first. It's kind of like in the end of a stand-up comedy routine, they try to bring their joke back from the beginning (laughs) to really have the audience. Well, that was clever and funny. We've done that here. And yet, there's this like so the thing the thing that was really useful for me to understand differently because when I was getting confused about it was just like along the lines of what Karen is saying, just that God, um, he it wasn't that God lacked identity before Jesus Christ came into the world, you know? And so, and by definition, God didn't lack opprobrium. God doesn't, God, that, that's what's crazy as Swedenborg talks about how the Lord is like proprium with a capital P. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't that God was lacking something when to choose to come into the world and take on the human form of Jesus Christ in this world, but it was this descent of that identity taking on that, the heredity from Mary and then glorifying it so that we can have that knowledge and interact with that layer. Um, and yet, like, but I don't think that conflicts with what Karin was saying about how that layer is now this new, to, like, revolutionary way that we are, that even the whole spiritual world works because Jesus came into the world in, yeah. you know, anyway, I, now I'm tapping on the well, desk. <laughs> I was thinking about tapping on the desk and it happens when you're saying something you're really yeah. thinking about and rather than just monitoring what you're saying, you're purely in thought, you tap on the desk, yeah. which, which is very tough on our, our uh, technical director, Stuart. Hello. Don't switch the cameras off. Um, yeah. I wonder of what it, you think about what it would be like to hear some three or four year olds explain how the internet works mm. as maybe maybe the angels are watching us have this conversation they're like that's so cute no i, I could see how you would think it's like that yeah. so i, I appreciate uh and then i of, bet they're really glad we're having the conversation yeah, man they're like <laughs> those yes. those new church angels that swedenborg talks about they're like rejoicing yeah they're like hey somebody's watching somebody's interested so uh, that, that brings us to a very important point, which is thank you all for being interested. Thank you for, for giving us the fuel and the inspiration and the, the reason to come and talk through these things that we obviously are all super passionate about. And uh, we, we love just hearing what you're thinking over and uh, hope to, if you're joining this afterwards, go ahead and put your thoughts in response to any of the questions we got down there because we, we love to hear people chip chiming in and and giving us a sense of how does that particular piece of truth make it through your your mind and, and out so very much appreciate it don't forget like and subscribe even if you didn't like this at all just kidding just just uh doing those two clicks can really help us out and 
support us on Patreon, if you don't mind. We're a nonprofit. We're able to do this kind of stuff. What you just heard makes the angels rejoice. We only do it because uh, of, of contributions from people like you. We're not charging for this stuff, obviously. So if, if you have some extra means and time, check us out, patreon.com slash off the left eye, and there you can make a small monthly contribution that, that helps us do what we do, and we give you little thanks in the form of other specific questions and answers and behind-the-scenes clips and, and just a little little thank you from us to you. Thank you to the, the panel. Thanks, Chelsea, Cara. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Um, it Thanks, was great Karen. getting to talk to you all. And uh, for everybody watching, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Swedenborg and Life Live is Curtis Childs, host and showrunner, with co-host Jonathan Rose. Live stream tech and graphics by Stuart Farmer and Matthew Childs. Show writing and chat moderation by Karin Childs and Chelsea Odner. <laughs>